Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm William Johnson. I have no clever joke today. I'm not in a joking mood, not... Don. Oh, oh, well, then the good thing we have a stern, serious science fiction film to talk about today. Yes, but, of yeah. course. Apparently so, right? Too too serious for yes. kids. But, uh, you know, for us, we're damn glad to have you, ladies and gentlemen. This yes. is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared ha- passions and high fives to wash away any place for hate. In the, encourage- we, we, in the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, even if it is Tim Allen. But for now, the gloves are off and hissy fit is on. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Disney Pixar's Lightyear, recommended by... I want to say every good dad who's between the ages of 34 and 18. I don't know what's going on there, but um, our no, format I, is this, the recommending. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't, we just did a show a bit back on dad movies, but I is toy story, a dad movie to pause the intro here. I don't know. Depends on the dad. I wouldn't I guess. go there. I guess so. Yeah. The grooming type, right? Are you going to drop that word again oh, here Jesus. today? No. Okay, good. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our four inside jokes to the people who've seen Kicking the Seat. But anyway, uh, over here on the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast, our format is this. The recommending lover goes first. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their harmonic case. The hater will follow with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we'll open it up for 15 to 50 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. Ladies and gentlemen, we're supposed to say to infinity and beyond right now. So let's go. Mm-hmm. Well, Will, you are putting this in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying the reason why I'm not in a joking mood is because you and I just got off of uh, a live stream we did with our friends kicking mm-hmm. the seat. And it felt like we were like the guardians of light year that were like protecting it from the assault it was getting yeah. from our fellow friends that were just like tearing it apart. And they uh, sure were. We were, and it's rare that you and I get to team up like that, but we sure did. Like we were the only two big supporters in the room, man. Oof. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was brutal. But yeah, I would say that considering that either depending on when this comes out two weeks ago or a week ago, we did Jurassic world dominion where we both hated it. I think we can both say right. comfortably that we love this movie. Yeah. Yes, very much so. You know, like I, I do see it's I do see the possibilities of different ways to do it. I do see some flaws that are clearly there or a, a measurement here, a measurement there that doesn't put it on a Pixar classic. But my goodness, how can you not have fun with a movie like this? So, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, who wants to go first? You are the higher lover than me on this one. Not that I'm very far behind, but you've got this in your early, you know, early counts of top five for the year. So. You're ahead of me there. It is. It's true. And stay tuned for that, listeners. Uh, we got that coming up, too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'll go ahead and start my five minutes. So um, it's it's I can't believe I'm saying this, but, you know, Lightyear is one of the most controversial movies out there right now for hundreds and thousands of reasons. And I think both the vacuum of film criticism that is Twitter and clicks and and websites and things like that is is killing film criticism in general um and not to say i don't contribute because who the hell wants to hear me talk about movies i'm a 40 year old white guy right who cares but um you know everyone can be a critic and that has benefits and it has uh bad points and i think some of the bad points is that we get in these little bubbles these unscientific bubbles where we decide a film is something 
we either decide it's the worst thing ever made. It's the greatest thing ever made. It's this, it's that. It's uh, progressive. It's woke. It's whatever. It's uh, conservative. It's uh, demeaning. It's, you know, uh, overtly sexual. It's, uh, you can think of all the words you can think of, you know, uh, it's, it's harmful. Um, but <laughs> for whatever reason, Lightyear is one of those films right now for, like I said, a myriad reasons and one of them is because of uh, a casting controversy that has become more of an issue than it ever was um because of people getting this idea stuck in their head that this is some kind of as uh film critic Armand White said a uh conservative purge at Disney which the main argument you can make against that and I'm going to nip it in the bud now so we don't have to talk about it Tim Allen is not purged at Disney because of his conservative views, because he's doing a Santa Claus TV series with Disney that's releasing this year. So if he was truly purged, he would have no relationship with the company. So we need to stop that. But you do have this political agenda. You have same-sex kisses that have to be cut out in certain countries, which is not an issue, but people are making it an issue because you'll see comments on Facebook saying, Oh, it's, I, I can't explain my kids why two girls are kissing. It's unnecessary same-sex kiss. And I'm like, well, a lot of movies have unnecessary heterosex kisses, so who gives a shit? So that's an issue. You know, people are talking about the box office, which is very hard to weigh when it comes to kids' films because, you know, you could have seven kids that want to see it in a household, but if the parent can't go, that's eight seats you don't get. Plus... You know, you have all kinds of stuff with the marketing has been up and down on this film. Some people are confused, but put all of that aside when you watch the actual movie, because we've gotten to the point now where Lightyear is a statement or a stance. It's no longer a movie. Now, when you think about the fucking movie Lightyear, when you sit down and just think about it and you watch it, you just all you have to do is sit down and watch it. When you watch it, you go, holy crap, that was really fun. Because you go, wow, that was actually kind of an amazing experience because like a lot of Pixar things, and I'm relatively new to Pixar, and we may discuss that later because I've been doing a lot of Pixar blind spots lately, including Toy Stories 2, 3, and 4. But, um, you know, I'm not like indebted to this character. So this was a fresh experience for me. I'm a new fan of Toy Story technically. And... um, And I bought the premise from the beginning. This isn't a spoiler, but the film starts out with a crawl, a la Blade Runner, just less confusing, where it says, you know, in 1995, a kid named Andy saw this movie, you know, like this was the movie he saw that made him want to play with Buzz Lightyear toys. Once you accept that, I don't care how it's marketed. I don't care how, how someone said something in an interview that disputes that or whatever, taking the, the film at face value. When you sit down and you think of yourself as an eight-year-old boy watching this sci-fi film, which which features not only stellar, beautiful uh, art direction and rendering and character design, but also has these amazing throwbacks to... 50s era science fiction the rocket age you know when people could literally just go like okay we're going to space in 15 minutes they get in a rocket and go and suddenly they're on venus like there are elements of this that are super realistic and hard sci-fi but also elements of this the spirit of this film is adventure are you going to have a plot that's going to reinvent the wheel no but 
I sat, watched it as if I was Andy at eight years old, despite the fact that I'm almost 40. And I loved it. I loved every minute of this movie. Beautiful, charming, funny, fun. We're forgetting amongst all this discourse that movies can be fun. And Lightyear is. Nicely done, sir. Oh, that man. That was some of my favorite five minutes you've ever done. That was, that was really deep. Oh, um, thanks, man. I'm, I'm letting it loose welcome. after that kick in the seat. You are. <laughs> I tell you, I, I got the same red ass about this where I'm like, how, how do this many adults? And it's, I mean, we use the term sometimes, you know, suspend disbelief or turn your brain off or some of those really shitty words that just go, Hey, no, 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 just, just be simpler, slow down and think simpler. Like you don't have to turn a brain off to do that. You don't have to suspend disbelief to do that. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. And I'm right there with you. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. It just, just fun. And, and I'm with you. Same thing as um, I, I'm not a trailer guy. I didn't get, you know, too lost in the marketing. I knew Chris Evans was here. I knew they said this was going to be a different interpretation of the character. Um, I'm on the historical record for not being a big toy story Four fan at all. Um, and uh, so I, I don't need, I did not need to come back to that universe whatsoever. So for them to say, Hey, we're going to do a little something different. I'm like, you know what? I'm there. Chris Evans and different. You have me. And then um, same as you, that premise comes on screen of um, in 1995, a boy named Andy uh, received a Buzz Lightyear toy, for, uh, received a toy for his birthday from his favorite movie. This is that movie. And that sh- not to, not to sound like uh, Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction, but shit, Negro, that's all you had to say. Uh, and I was there. It's all that's it just I, I know I'm going to get a space adventure. I know I'm going to have a hero that uh, maybe can have a catchphrase or two and get lampoon later. And, and as soon as that came to be, I'm like, all right, th- this can be different than the toy. And at some point it's going to have a foothold that becomes what the toy was, whether that's catchphrases and that's attitudes and all that. And to be able to sit back and enjoy this film for being in an adventurous, you said it best spirit of adventure to have, to be an adventurous science fiction movie where you have um, a character you can immediately gravitate to for being um, interesting, fun, forthright, all the different kind of parts that go with um, obviously a, a, a performance like Chris Evans, where that just comes out of him. You know, that that's, that's his default setting when he wants to be hero mode is I'm just going to be, you know, be say what I would say, you know, man, a few words, but man of a ton of action. And to be able to do that, and tell uh, an engaging science fiction story that's enough to kind of make an you know be smart um, to be smart enough for the adults in the room, but also uh, interesting enough for the eight year olds. I think that's there because I, at the same time that I'm that person who um, avoids the ideas of suspend disbelief and and um, and and turning your brain off and all that, and, and where you know, hey, let kids be kids, let them watch their own dumb shit. I still am at the point as a critic where I'll try to still kind of curate that dumb shit. I'm that guy who will give a zero star review to a movie like minions because as maybe fun as that is, that's a two note joke that goes on for 90 minutes. And that's the, and it's just the wrong kinds of things. And you want to put your, you know, your kids in front of, at least from this parent standpoint, that's a movie where you don't have to turn your brain off because there's nothing in there that's going to get your brain going. Um, you know, no, 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 you know, no switch flip needed. So, but for this one, it's almost like we got the best non-Star Trek Star Trek movie you could ask for, like a gateway entry drug for kids to kind of be like into space and Star Wars. And yeah, I, I, I'm that kind of guy who can 
take take his head and say, hey, would an eight-year-old love this? I have a soon-to-be eight-year-old son at home. Can't wait to take him to this movie. I think there's, um, I have a nine-year-old girl who is a good, innocent little girl who doesn't do anything crazy. And I, I, she even she would get into this movie. And then with you, I'm with you. Controversies aside, I just, I can't buy all that bullshit that's out there that you have done a very good job in your five minutes squelching of, yeah, put the Tim Allen thing to rest. It doesn't just doesn't qualify. If you want to get mad about uh, homosexual values, go ahead and get a mirror and say the word homophobe out loud because you will see one. Um, if you got a problem with that, that, you know, and you, how am I explaining it to kids? I don't know. Maybe use the L word called love. It doesn't matter if two people love each other. And if they're the same way and they're, they're happy, let them love each other. It's not hard to do. Um, those people that can't do that, that's your damn problem, not a movie's problem. So, yeah, get the spirit of adventure. Have a little fun. And this movie takes you to places and uh, to just be an adventure that's worth kind of getting into. Like, where, why, man, how's he going to get out of this jam? What's going to happen next? And normally a knock I have on Pixar films is that there's always a rush to uh there's always a chase to something and um where the movie has a gear in the third act that says all right we better hurry up and get to the thing we've been telling you about we didn't need to get to and the movie still has a little bit of that um and and it still has an and we'll get to this in the second half where we maybe talk a little more spoilers but um it has a direction in the ending where i'm like oh yeah now, now you might lose some people adults and kids included but um but the the like you said, I keep going back to your word where the spirit is there, the energy is there. And when you package that as Pixar so um masterfully does with gorgeous sound and animation that you know that that just rumbles your seat uh on an IMAX or Dolby Dolby Atmos screen, um, it's worth the big screen experience. And I get that they're shooting themselves in the foot because of what they've been able to do with Disney plus and the successes that people expect to be there. Where yeah, it's hard to ask a family to you know, is this what I need to spend my hard-earned dollar on, or can I just wait for Disney Plus? And I know a lot of people are going to wait for Disney Plus, but when they do, they're going to be missing a heck of a big screen good time. Um, one that, um, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, I don't care if I like it. I care that a kid likes it. And something tells me I'm going to see a lot of kids that like this movie, and that's enough for me. Hell yeah. Nice. We're on fire today. Right. I know. Uh, so while we hose each other off here, uh, please enjoy a short announcement from the Ruminations Radio Network. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you! Alright, welcome back. Yeah, um, whew, yeah, so... In Thanks terms for of kind uh, of washing me off with your hose, Don. Oh, it, my pleasure. It, you know, it took a lot to get, you know, get the right thing, but we got there, you know? We got there. We got there. Yeah. You, no, you nailed it on the head. Kids, right? Kids. Like, I mean. Kids. Like, like I said, nothing is scientific. I think a lot of reports are coming out. We live in a, like I said, we live in a social media vacuum. You got to remember that, like. It's true. You know, that, you know, uh, and this, and this goes for any movement. Like, I mean you know how you and I feel about release the Snyder cut people, but yeah, it's probably uh -huh. the 20 idiots that are driving that, but there's probably like, you know, a lot of people who like that idea, but aren't obnoxious about it, but it's the 20 loudest people in the room. And it's, it's the same true. thing. I think, I think someone with a lot of following will go online and say something unscientific and go, Oh, all the kids in my theater were bored. So infinity, or uh, I always called infinity light is therefore boring. 
that's not scientific. Now, my my defense to that isn't, isn't scientific either, because but I will say that in the experiences I had, all the kids I have been around have liked it. Now, that is, once again, in my experience, I will not speak for the entire world and say, Lightyear is a success because it worked for these six kids that I saw talk about it. Right. But it is easy for us to fall victim to falling in love with a statement or a stance and sticking with it. Just like people say, Tim yeah. Allen's not the voice. I'm not going to see it. Like uh, kids fell asleep in one theater. I'm not going to see it. You know, like it's, it's, uh, it's just uh-huh. a weird experience. This movie is for whatever reason is causing so much controversy. I know. And, and just, I, I don't just like, simple film. <laughs> Yeah, like of all the movies that would just evoke the you know the torches and pitchforks, you you really want to pick on this one? It's it's harmless. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. And and if if someone like I said in my five minutes, if someone's idea of harm is a same sex kiss and a Chris Evans voice, boy, you're really petty and you don't deserve this movie to begin with. Fuck you. Go go yeah, watch your absolutely. other thing. You know, go subject your kids to some red state, you know, conservative swilling thing that just, you know, teaches them something else. And yeah, I just, I just can't, we're always asking for, at least I'm a parent that asks for just quality children's entertainment that, that doesn't, you know, that, that isn't too, for me, it's the, it's the violent quotient where it's a lot of like my kids. I know for sure now and it's my little shelter kids, but like, I know they're not quite ready for MCU films yet because they just, some of the jokes are a little bit over their head. And then the violence is a PG 13 violent movie and where there's enough body count of enough things where I'm like, I don't know if they're ready for that yet, but at the same time, when they get there, I know they'll love it, you know, and it, it probably, you know, next summer when my oldest is 10 and my youngest is nine, that's about the wheelhouse where I'm like, you know what? Sitting here with daddy answering questions. We got you for an eight year old. I, I don't have an objectionable thing here in this movie where uh, something is too much or over their head. Like the spirit, like you you said the best word, the spirit of it is there. And if anything, I'm that guy who, you know, because I had no expectations to it and because I'm not watching trailers and getting all hyped on, you know, the, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aids of other people who are c- complaining about it. Um, I sit back and lesson number one of my review was um, I'm sitting here watching this movie going, dang, what would what was my favorite movie as a kid that I wanted a toy for? You know, like um, in my review, I say, you know, uh, we've seen you. We're talking. This movie is kind of presenting us as Andy taking his Buzz Lightyear figure around the house, putting it through imaginative imaginative adventures, many of which we see in the Toy Story movies. And I sit here, I'm like, you know, what what dolls or action figures did that to me as a kid? You know, what what was I making my own masks of? Or was I stuffing towels or blankets in the back of my shirt to be a hero for? And or was I making, uh, you know, gift wrap tube lightsabers or swords? And, and you know what? I, when I think back, I was a He-Man kid or I was a Superman kid. And that was awesome to me. And when I think of what got me to that, I, I watched a Christopher Reeve movie or I watched a cheesy television show with He-Man. And I wanted to dress up as that on one of those toys. And, you know, and I and I think about like what enamored me to that. And when I think of a Dick Donner Superman film, which is two and a half hours of where you don't see Superman for 45 minutes, like you watched a heady movie, but it was magical. You know, it, it brought you to that place. It kept it squeaky clean family thing. You know, your your parents could be proud to take you to it and you could be proud for watching it. And from that, do you want an action figure? Yeah, I did. And uh, you know, to me, light years shows you why. Andy was enamored with this movie of his choice, and and it makes you remember your own movie when you were a kid. So, well, let, oh, I love it. Let me it. ask yeah. you. I, I, let me it ask struck you a me, question. you know. 
Yeah, let me ask you a question that's possibly rhetorical, because I think I know how you're going to answer okay. this question. But I think I might have solved the issue with the people have Ooh. about Infinity. What pe- Infinity? I keep calling it Infinity. Lightyear. I don't know why I keep calling okay. it Infinity. Lightyear. Okay, so let's say you got an action figure of, a, of let's say you got an action figure of He-Man, right? Um, yeah. And this is the and let's say that you know you don't have all of the He-Man toys. So sometimes you got to have He-Man play with Optimus Prime, right? Or sometimes yeah. you got to have He-Man play with your Superman doll, right? And then when you're right. pretending, you know, like are you sticking to the to the the direct mythology of He-Man when you're playing with your toy? Are you absolutely going, not. Well, We're, He-Man wouldn't no. do that. His character wouldn't do that because He-Man yeah, has this not. quality, this quality, and this quality. Like, no. We kind of forget yeah. that like, it's a sandbox. Not everything has to be... Great way of putting it. it. It doesn't have to be so set in stone that you cannot do anything differently because when we play with these toys as kids there is no way we're sticking no kid in their right mind is thinking no 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 that is not how he-man would act that is not he-man's motivation that is not he-man's backstory you're playing with a toy so with this because yeah fun story here fun story here in the same way you know um I I had boxes of of old action figures, you know, and that are that I had when I was a kid. And I was cleaning up my mom's house before I moved here, and uh, no no less than twelve feet to my left is a massive basement playroom where my kids have mixed everything together. Hulk Hogan is playing with Superman, with Lego Batman, with dinosaurs, with tractors, John Deere tractors. It doesn't matter. It is like you said. It is a sandbox. It is a basement playmat. It uh, and I will never be the dad that goes, whoa, 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 you can't have that. Do this, do that. Like I want to meet those asshole parents who are like Will Ferrell's dad from the Lego Movie, who are gluing Legos together and never let you play with anything outside of his boundaries and rules. Where like, no man, just have fun. And yeah, you've got a dad who will be that guy. Well, and was it because- who was a kid who was that guy too? I, I was just thinking about this recently too. Back when I had an older Twitter account before we had the Cinefile Hissy Fit one. It, yeah. Once people get stuff in their heads that something's either going to suck or they're not going to buy it, like we, we can all agree because Marvel is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just part of life now. Like people it, don't, yeah. what's the word for that? It's, um, uh, oh, uh, um, you uh, could go Zeitgeist, Lexicon. There's, there's ways you, there's, there's levels of, like it's, it's ingrained yeah, now. Like it's, yeah, it's ingrained. Pop culture there's icon. Not it's. We're yeah. past fad, is what you're saying. Right. So people, when they go see Thor: Love and Thunder, they their suspension of disbelief, as you say, is completely gone. Like they they're there and they yeah. believe yeah. Thor. They believe it. Now I remember when Wonder Woman eighty four was coming out. Not a great movie by by uh, any means. Yeah. But because there is this culture of like, well, it's going to suck because it's it's Wonder Woman. It's not this. I remember somebody was complaining they released a clip on Twitter where she was like lassoing a plane or something and then started to fly. Uh-huh. And someone was like, well, the aerodynamics of this, there's no way she could lasso oh, that, know. you know? And, yeah. I, and I tweeted back at the person. I said, dude, you realize that the movie you're not complaining about involves a space God who has a magical hammer, whose base is made out of a talking tree's arm. You're okay with uh-huh. that, but you can't handle Wonder Woman lassoing yeah. a plane. Like we yeah. get in that. So this is what Lightyear is suffering from. Is Lightyear is suffering from this whole thing of like, well, it can't be Buzz because it's not the voice and it's not this and it's 
uh-huh. when we were in our kicking the seat, the big complaint was like, well, it doesn't make sense in this. It doesn't make sense in uh, the idea of, you know, how is it 95 and how is it in this world, in this world? When we're talking oh about. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. That was, yeah. We're talking about a franchise that has toys that are talking. Like, we're, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's, exactly. It's, it's like we suspend our disbelief for some things, but then we start getting hypercritical on others. Yeah. And it's it's almost like the, the one thing I'm surprised I haven't heard, and I've actually heard okay. the filmmakers for Lightyear address this, is that one of the funny jokes in Toy Story 2 was that Zerg was really Buzz Lightyear's father, and they play catch together at the end. It's kind of a joke, you know? <laughs> like, sure, sure. I'm surprised people aren't going out there going, well, Zerg is supposed to be Buzz Lightyear's father. Like, that's uh-huh. the one thing I'm surprised I haven't heard a complaint about. But, yeah. Yeah, and I tell you what, spoiler alert, that's my one knock of the movie where I I I wasn't I couldn't call this a five-star amazing thing was the villain reveal at the end of this is is a little dumb. You know, even by let's have an eight year old standards kind of thing. Like I'm with our partner, uh, you know, on kicking the seat, Mark Rychek. If this was just a big, cool, awesome robot. Yep. That's all you needed, especially to, to thrill, you know, eight year olds and things, things like that to have it be, to have it be older buzz. I mean, I get it from a science fiction standpoint and, I, and I'm very sure, cool sure. with that. And I know my, and my, my, and like when we talked about like, or at least maybe when I talked about the idea of like, like hey, let's have smarter kids movies than just bashing big robots. We've got one in, right. with this and the twist in which it takes. And I'm yeah. especially with, um, and even before you get there, like it's not like that twist came out of nowhere because we had been dealing with time travel, all movie and the ramifications of it, which in a very mature and strong way where like, that was an like it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities that we would get to a, a reveal like you get here, and that I it didn't throw me off, didn't take me out of the movie, it, it didn't make me nitpick and get my sliding timeline out, and didn't care. Yeah, and actually, it allows kids to have to think about it because even I had to think about it exactly. from a logical sense for a minute because yeah, at, at first I was like I remember I asked my daughter when we went out I said how did he. When Zerg's ship was there, how did he crash land? And then I started putting the pieces together and went, okay, so yep. when Zerg came back, you know, he created an alternate reality, essentially, because just like the Hulk mm-hmm. does in Endgame, he explains, like, your past is now your future and blah, blah, blah. It's very a lot of time travel mechanics in there. It's very confusing. But unlike sure. Endgame, you didn't have a Hulk that was explaining this. You kind of had to figure out that old Buzz was kind of like a multiversal alternate buzz that was doing other things that created new time for you know it's i thought that was pretty bold of a movie to rely on eighth grade eighth eighth grade eight-year-olds figure out and i thought that was pretty cool and this movie i was reading some articles you know a lot of scientists are saying that this might be one of the hardest sci-fis you know hard sci-fi is definitely for people that read sci-fi books or movies that deal with more real technology than fictional and definitely like like you've got time that's real sure between the time travel stuff the the idea of being able to um start a space colony a temporary space colony from scratch and it it lasts obviously with the time jumps in this movie long enough to be like hey i guess we're just like the swiss family robinson effect like we're just gonna live here now you know like we we wanted to get away then we realized hey we've made it a go here we've got families here we've put we've made a life here let's make do our best here and and buzz even though he's kind of racing to get away from that and finish whatever his mission he has for him to realize that 
and get to that ending like hey life is where i can make even if it's not the end of this particular mission and yeah to present those themes to to kids without having it be just silly action figures that beat each other up yeah works just fine for me and 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 i i greatly appreciate the science fiction of that where yeah, the the um the time travel aspects, the idea of fuel and the marooned in space, and you know dealing with the vegetation, the local wildlife, or whatever you want to call it. There's there's enough there to like I kind of said well, make this a really good Star Trek non Star Trek movie. Well, and, and slingshotting around the sun is a good Star Trek and Superman idea. Oh yeah, you know that it, totally. So I mean, and and that's it. We I've heard some complaints about the tropes, especially with okay. the old buzz, the old buzz, and I I thought. Well, this movie is tropes. I mean, this is kind of the point of the movie is that I agree. This is even though it's modern technology, like you know, they're showing this isn't filmed from the perspective of a 1995 film. What the limits were yeah. at in 1995. So even though right. the technology is of 2022, I think that the spirit of it and the style of it is very retro in a lot of cases. It's yeah. very rockety. You know, anytime you would yeah. pick up a Galaxy magazine from the 50s, like I get that imagery from this, from the design of the suits. Now, yes, it's more like it's more streamlined and, and modern, but it has the spirit of something very much older and tropey, just like Star Wars did. You know, Star Wars had right. cutting I, I, edge technology with the X-Wings back in the day, but yeah. it was also based on very old storytelling. So I didn't I, mind. I felt like I was watching a same here. I felt like I was watching a James Cameron movie. And like, you know what? That that's a nineties that's a nineties sci-fi adventure. Like, you know, if this mm-hmm. I think you made the the comp a little bit even or somebody did in the kicking the seat show, like uh uh with aliens. Like obviously we can't show kids aliens, or at least or at least we shouldn't, but like if you were to do a marooned in space movie that was appropriate enough for kids, how would you want that to feel, move, and look? And honestly, 90s or not, it would probably move a lot like this. I do get that idea where um, I had that meta thought in my head, and I tried to spell it out on Ian's show. I'll spell it out here where um, I, I could see those people who needed more or wanted to kind of be more creative with it, where if you wanted this mm-hmm. to be shot and made very period detail as 90s, where, you know, you have a... Uh, you know, Stan Bush songs and Transformers, the movie level stuff, or, or, <laughs> or, or if you have like, or you go movie within the movie even more where you have actors or, or names of actors playing these characters to play these characters, or you have a framing device of Andy and his family in the theater. I, I, I get all that where that could be another layer of meta to, I don't know, wash down the meta that's going on. But to me, you didn't need it because your opening crawl just says, Hey, this is that movie. Good. Awesome. Yeah, Open I, the credits and let's show me and, that movie. And, and the reason, and, and I'll, I'll get to my, my Pixar history here. Cause I have a point about this, but okay. Um, I was very behind. I saw the first toy story in the theater when I was 13 um, with my grandma and my dad. And then I never watched it again and I never saw any of the sequels. So before Lightyear came out, I watched all of them as you know. And I also watched a lot of Pixar stuff. Now I, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with, how much everyone's involved at Pixar with each film. But one thing that I thought was really consistent and that I really loved about the Toy Story films, and it's reflective here too, uh, just on a sci-fi setting, like the Toy Story movies, even though some of them are G, they have a lot Mm -hmm. of horror roots in them. They have a lot of not not only callbacks, because like there's a lot of carpets in the Toy Story movies or like the shining carpets, but 
Yeah. They rely on the tropes of horror films to really drive the tension. I mean, there are things that are terrifying, even in a G oh, yeah, Toy Story movie. You got the Yeah, you're animating inanimate objects, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I think the same thing applies here. It's just the tropes are different. It's not a tension-based mm-hmm. horror thing that's driving the plot. Like, because when I watched all the Toy Stories, one thing that I was really struck by, even in Toy Story 4, which I did not love, was every Thank time you. those toys every every time the toys were outside of their room where they're supposed to be i was nervous because i was like how are yeah. they gonna get back to their home like the tension was very palpable this movie plays with the tropes of science fiction the same way it played with horror tropes in the first four toy stories agree in that in that it it does play to those basic concept archetypal ideas that get your like yeah I, I'm not saying Lightyear is going to reinvent the wheel of storytelling. No, but no, no, it no. is kind of nice play with to it see enough. some. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice to see someone just say like, you know what? Let's have a I, let's have an old school, you know, uh, kind of sci-fi tale, and they play with all the yeah. tropes of that. You've got the um, and Galaxy Quest did this a lot too, which I recently rewatched, which was also PG uh, and also had some kind of scarier elements with the aliens and stuff. Oh, but sure. That yeah. movie was filmed exactly like a Star Trek episode, like even down to the exterior shots. This movie is, yep. is like I said, it's almost got all the set pieces of a 50s sci-fi where it's like, first mm-hmm. you have this obstacle, then you encounter this creature, then you encounter this guy, then you encounter yep. this problem. Like it, it had a very tropey, which I'm okay with. I, I think part Me of too. this weird vacuum we live in with film criticism, especially on Twitter is like, you were talking about how like, you're not ready to show your kids Marvel, right? Like, and, and that's fine. That's totally fine. I get it. Um, right. Right. But I, I remember some of the criticism for Marvel is like, well, why are all these hot people fucking? And it's like, <laughs> because on. it's the type of movie that it is. It is a four yeah. quadrant relatively family-based movie about a guy who can swing on webs and, you know, a God that has a hammer, like not everything has to be adult. Not everything has to reinvent the wheel. Not everything has to subvert the genre. Sometimes we've lived, we've lived with stories like this for over a hundred years in the movies. Like you can go back and watch a romantic comedy from 1940 that has the exact same structure in 2015. Exactly. It doesn't, Matter. Yeah, like, and you, and you don't and you don't need cell phones and Twitter to enjoy a 1940s romantic comedy and not still see the charm. Totally. Yeah, we need to let this go. That like Lightyear has yeah. to make sense on this one level, because if we start nitpicking stuff making mm-hmm. sense, I mean, even even a perfect someone used Back to the Future, uh, which almost yeah. isn't fair on kicking the seat because. Back to the Future is blessed with probably one of the greatest screenplays ever written. Oh my gosh, yes, but, absolutely. But, and so that's that's a tough one. And uh, you and I talked about this on our I like, um, yeah Jurassic Park. When I like the um, Park, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I like the comp that came up in in Kicking the Seat, and it's it's a movie I've defended a long time and wrote a piece for in Twenty Five. Well, uh, I'm a big John Carter fan, and what sure, people don't sure. understand about John Carter is that that character predates. Star Wars, Avatar, all the things that people are like, oh, this this movie looks just like Star Wars. It looks just like Avatar. Well, guys, this movie this movie walks so Star Wars and Avatar could run, you know, or this property, oh, or sure. this character that's a hundred yeah, yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and oh, I, I 
can do the yeah. homework enough to not be lazy and respect that, like, and go, hey, I'm going to watch something that chances are may have some similar things to other things I that have come since. But as an OG thing, telling an OG story, I can step into that world and enjoy the hell out of it. This movie, too, like you sure. said, with, with science fiction tropes, like we have narrating buzz talking into his damn armband and we and we and per- characters are there to make fun of him for it. And he's there to get past always doing that. And, you know, and then the the, the vines that just kind of show up for comedic relief and pull people away. And 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 then, yeah, the idea of a ragtag bunch of people who help out like we've seen the ragtag thing. And you know what? That that's a trope for a reason. They are tropes because they work. So go ahead and take something that works and do it your way. Have a good time with it, you know. Yeah, and if you can do that with a little bit more flavor and fun, where you can play within that trope, then you've done it well. And between Taika right. Waititi and the and the weird little convict short lady, like they have, yeah, we've done the ragtag troupe before, but maybe not with this kind of flavor and fun. And and I like especially um, Izzy, the granddaughter, where instead of the normal, you know, girl sidekick part, she's really trying to um, have her own arc, impress people. She has ideas and like, she's a good little character. And thank you, Kiki Palmer for a great vocal performance there. So they'll they'll take the trope and bend it. You know? Yeah. I was going to say, she's going to have a good couple months because she's going to be a nope coming out next That's month. Right. But uh, yeah. then again, Lightyear's not performing well, but whatever. But um, we'll see. No, I totally agree with you. Like I just, people take, I just don't get the, like, they do. And I, and I admit I'm that person where I think everyone, any, hopefully good critics never have a limit where they, they either, or if you're going to be, if you're going to have limits, you at least be consistent. And maybe that's where the Armand whites and the David Ehrlichs of the world, you know, have, you know, have their negative, you know, uh, hills that they, they assign themselves to because they're, they're, they're consistent. They're maybe they're always negative, or at least that's where they're always going to be. Um, but I, I'd like to think that a good critic, um, can just doesn't, doesn't have limits and can, can not be a consumer advocate per se, but just understand, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to use the O word that some movies have objectives. Not within a subjective art. And for me, this movie's objective was tell a good sci-fi story, uh, give a a, color, the Buzz Lightyear character in a different light and have fun while you do it, you know, and look great and sound great. And for me, they did that. Could they have done a few different things here? A few different things there. Sure. I did see, I did uh, a friend of mine shared a recent interview where I guess two of the biggest motivations or inspirations for the, for the writers of this movie was a commando and GI Joe Um, as in the eighties cartoon GI Joe. And you know what, when I look at that, yeah, that that's, I see those shades into buzz uh, into buzz Lightyear or Lightyear, And then when I think about like, um, to do a different competent, different direction, um, the recent chip and Dale's rescue Rangers movie, that's kind of having pretty good success on Disney plus and mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. critics of success. When you realize the people who are in that writer's room to make that movie, they're all 40 somethings like us. It's, you know, it's, it's Andy Samberg and John Mulaney where, what did they watch when they were kids? Well, they watched, 90s Disney cartoon. So how do you subvert right. that and have fun? Well, you do it in the ways that they do. And yeah, so they they I think that's the thing. And Pixar normally to me and I don't think yet have failed with bringing in creators that that either understand the material they're telling or mm-hmm. are creative enough to work within the genre they've chosen to do something just that can stand out and have high quality cuz even Pixar's worst movies 
um, or at least lesser movies still don't aren't, aren't broken things. You know, uh, as much as I sure. give Toy Story four shit, um, it's very well done. Keanu Reeves is a blast, and you know it looks great. It it, it would be a better to Toy Story two point five than the thing that unlocks the perfect ending of three. Um, it's just yeah, just there's some bad intentions that show up here and there, but the effort is there, and the the, the I don't know. I always see care and effort when I see Pixar, and that's a good thing. Are you live? That's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm here. You got me. Did you make? Did you make? It? Oh, there you are. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Woo! You broke up for like uh, five seconds. Oh, okay. It's okay. I mean, you you do you. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was I was just gonna say that like I'm not trying to toot my own horn on how I'm like I'm some kind of great critic, right? But we do live in that you know love hate team this team that society now because i remember a couple true weeks ago when school was over <laughs> when school ended for me uh i got drunk and i don't get drunk very often but i went on twitter or i went on facebook and i said hey i'm drunk ask me anything right and everybody was <laughs> yes i did me, everyone was asking me like trying to get me to say these hot take things and i just don't think that way because like okay am i mad Same. the way scores am i am i mad the way scorsese gatekeeps art sometimes Yes. Yeah. But when I watch a Scorsese movie, I try to watch it on its own merits. I don't compare it to Goodfellas. I don't compare it to the rest of his oeuvre. I don't. Right. You know, I don't look at his personal opinions and, and think this is going to color the film for me. I just watch the film. So like people were like, well, what's your favorite Scorsese film? We know you hate Scorsese. I'm like, well, first of all, I don't hate Scorsese. And here are my three favorite Scorsese films. And these are the reasons why. I yeah. make a joke a lot that I hate Christopher Nolan. I don't prefer Christopher Nolan, but people ask me that. What's your favorite Christopher Nolan? Because you hate Christopher Nolan. I'm like, I don't hate Christopher Nolan. I, uh -huh. I say I do. But here are two films of his I really like. You know, like, I mean, I can find Brett yeah. Ratner films I like. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, we. Me we with Malik, you know? Yeah, I'm there. You with Malik. I mean, I'm not a Tim Burton guy. I've never really liked Tim Burton films. Um, mm hmm. Outside of like maybe like a Batman that has a broader appeal, but you know, like I sure. like Ed Wood, but I, I really don't dig like his normal aesthetic, you know, like it's not really my thing. But I'm not gonna sit there and be like, well, Tim Burton sucks. Like I'm just gonna be like, yeah, he's not for me, but I like this film. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. So we have to get out of this thing because I think people are trying to compare it to Chris Evans versus Tim Allen, Pixar's past movies, Toy Story's movies. Like if this yeah. was Toy Story Five, the Buzz, the Buzz Lightyear prequel, yes, that's uh -huh. fair to compare it to Toy Stories One through Four. But this is taking a character from that franchise, doing mm -hmm. something different with it. You can't compare it to a Toy Story movie. It's a completely different universe. I think it's I, you say it best with um, the idea of just like I feel like the critic, the critics out there that feel like they have to kind of be the bashers or be the people. It's I see. It's about it's obviously it's about the clicks. It's about getting attention, and that attention is there because of ego. Where my opinion is the only opinion that matters. No one, you know, the only one that's right is me. I cannot accept or understand that other people could be coming at it from this particular way. And then when that when right. that unfortunately is a whole bunch of middle aged white men, it makes middle aged white men look bad. And then it would do the same for any. And then it makes the rest of critics look bad. Where that's the thing, like. And I, um, somebody shared this earlier today on social media. I don't remember who, but um, maybe it was in the feeling film group, but um, somebody shared um, a quick little clip of Roger Ebert talking about um, negative criticism. 
where he said, uh, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't ever want to bash a movie. Like if I'm going to write a negative review, I need to write a negative review that still says, Hey, you might like the movie because of this, this, and this, it didn't, you know, it, it might not be as best as it could be for this, this, and this, but I can understand why someone else would, because that's the thing. Like, everybody's worst movie is somebody else's favorite. I mean, there there's very few 0% Rotten Tomato movies. There are plenty, but at the right. same time, somebody out there walks away from a thousand things going, they love it. So, and, but you yeah. know, it's the, it's the, and I know you, I catch you using this word all the time and I give you shit for it every now and then, but like, it's, it's just, if we can go, if we can rewind ourselves to be like, like, and dislike instead of right and wrong, that would solve so many sure. things. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And the other thing too, with this, I've seen some criticism of this movie in particular, but I also see it as a Marvel defender is there's kind of this knee jerk okay. reaction that if something is popular and or based on an IP, it's a unoriginal mm. and B a cash grab to sell toys. I, nothing yeah, drives yeah. me crazier than when people say that movie is just there to sell toys. Now there are examples of that. I mean, for sure. I mean, there are some, that's the thing. Yeah. But, to and, me, and, I'm and a I toy have, story for four person on that one. We're like, this is pointless other than to sell Duke, Duke Kaboom right. or whatever his name was. Yeah, sure. But you know, and I, I highly recommend you guys uh, check out a YouTube channel called uh, toy galaxy. I think it's called this guy breaks right. down like the history of stuff. And you know, th there's more to meets the eye, and I, I'm not going to use that pun because I'm going to talk about Transformers here. But there uh -huh. are things that start out a certain way, absolutely. Like um, Transformers was literally designed to be a TV show with it's a basically a 30 minute commercial for toys. That was the original yeah. intent. What happened was is the creators of that show, and I, I'm taking this from Toy Galaxy, so. I'm not ripping it mm -hmm. off. I'm giving it credit here. This is what I revealed in their review of Transformers is that what they ended up doing was the creators created this very complex and entertaining mythology around the toys to the yeah. point where they, that took a life of its own to the point where like people are protective of that. So yes, yeah. even though the intentions, he, he man did the toy, same GI Joe did the oh, same. Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah. that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That, that absolutely. I feel so, like, you can yeah. almost you can almost argue that the MCU movies have supplanted the comics, where more people are beholden yeah. to the movies than they ever are the printed page from which they come from, oh, they, and they which will which will sadden which will sadden yeah that's the thing that, that'll sadden every true blue comic fan who's been there since the sixties and seventies, where they're like guys you don't understand like it, these movies wouldn't be here without this, and people are like no nope, but these movies I have enough for me and I'm good and I'm done and they and that's where. Some of that's lazy and homework, but at the same time, that's also popularity and, and where, what things have become. And yeah, the movies, right. the movies pay Marvel's bills before the books ever will. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could get into a whole thing about comics. I mean, comics have been what's True. that? Um, what's that phrase they call uh, in stores? Loss leader. Uh, where it's uh -huh, like, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like you go, like you go, like no one goes into a comic book store to buy single issues of comics anymore. You may pick no, one not up. Not at all. But it's yeah. the comic is the front for buying trade paperbacks, toys, collectibles, uh -huh. posters, exactly. things like that. A loss leader. Yeah, th this, you know, we could talk, like I said, we could talk about that forever because comics have kind of been dead. It's it's amazing that they've stayed afloat in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I, I, I also just fight against this idea that you can't enjoy the benefits 
of capitalism and create art at the same time. Like there's not always Ooh, just one motive agreed. or the other. Like, I don't get that. I've never understood that argument. Cause it's just like Marvel just sells products. It's like, yeah, but yeah, you know what? Nope, it's, they're, they're selling products because people counts. want them and it's still art yeah. because they're actually making something like, I mean, to me, making like from scratch. Prime, using the transformers thing, like I don't mm-hmm. care that Hasbro was trying to sell me toys. Like I am, I love, and I still love Optimus Prime. He's like one of my all-time favorite heroes. Yeah. And I love, I love like what he stands for. I love the voice actor. I right. love the design. It's not about the toy mm-hmm. because they stopped making, mm-hmm. well, they still make them, but you know, like sure. I can't go to the mall and pick up an Optimus Prime toy anymore. That's not mm-hmm. $300 or something. Like it's no yeah, longer, right? <laughs> at, at some point it's, at some point it's no longer about the toys. It's about the, the creation. And, and like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you people think Spider-Man is just going out there to make toys? Spider-Man has existed for 70 years and they've exactly. been selling toys of Spider-Man for 70 years. The MCU makes it no yeah. different. Go ahead, do you, you think say? that, do you think that, um, it's the age and audience that kind of ruins it? Like, is, is it, uh, how am I trying to say this? Um, is it like, I love that Saturday Night Live skit a couple years back that where Bobby Moynihan plays like a, a toy collector who, you know, spends his fortunes buying the Funko Pops and the nice figures and the and the you know the high end figurines and never lets anyone <laughs> touch them, you know. Oh, I know I didn't want to go. You, I was going to Saturday Night Live first. No, that's you know? me. I don't. But, um, I don't let my kids in my office. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, like at what point did those people like where like? The, where did they come from? Did they, cause like I'm a person who opened every action figure, you know, didn't, wasn't thinking of value, wasn't thinking of collecting. Nope. I wanted to play with the toy, you know? And right. then at some point, like it, you got, I don't know, it was in my teens or twenties where action figures meant something and were, you know, they never leave the box. We go, we go to conventions now and there's all these, you know, collector's items. And like when, when that marketing racket turned adults into, I don't know, collectors more than, fa- I mean, I guess they're still fans, yes, but I mean, no, like, no. The, the market right flipped in a way. Sure. Yeah. No, no, you, you're on the right path because I think toys fluctuate now between two groups. I think there's yeah. toys are kind of for really little kids. I'd say anywhere between yeah. zero and five. And yeah. then I say the market after that is very barren. And then it goes to the adult collectors. That's like, true. I, and a lot of that, and this is, this goes to my old man criticism of film too is everything became uh, essentially digitized and also became very niche. Like, you know, I mean, okay. I follow you. I guess what, I guess what I mean by that is like when when we, you, you and me were kids, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you might've had your clicks with your toys, but like you pretty much had like five options. It was like GI Joe transformers and, or this and this, and that's it. Like that you went to the store and there was pretty much like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures like yeah. he-man wrestling kind of, that'd be about the other two yeah right right and th- but now like you can find anything for oh, anything everything. i mean funko yeah. Yeah. funko Crazy. has every license available but like even people that like i mean there's a whole market out there like i didn't learn this until i was teaching i did not know how dominant a market anime was i thought anime was yeah pokemon's niche huge. market but it's huge yeah. and there's a whole huge industry behind the collection of figures and stuff but i don't i never really see kids play with toys like same thing like i don't see kids open up a funko pop and play with it 
You know, like, right. I, mean, I, 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 I miss. Yeah, but I miss the age of good old fashioned action figures. Like my kids, like I said earlier, like we've got the like Marvel Secret Wars from 1983 over there. We've got the Superpowers Disney figures from 1984, and we've got the 90s X Men figures over there. You know, like and they're all super posable and amazingly fun, and like they're and at this point indestructible because they're still around. But uh, like they they play with them. It doesn't matter how good they look. Like we said earlier, like doesn't matter what who they belong to. They just they're. They they move and they're fun, and my kids well, adore it. They couldn't make Toy Story today. I don't think. And no. Here's here's another. I think you're another, exactly right. Here's another example I'll give you. Is so I showed my daughter for Father's Day. Like I picked the movie, and I watched. We watched Lightyear, but we also I, I said let's watch Galaxy Quest. Like I think mm-hmm. you'll love it. Like because I I think the premise is kind of universal. Like TV actors get beamed into yeah. space to play their characters. You know. But there was one thing I was noticing. My daughter, smart kid, but of a completely different age. And I started thinking Mm. about it. I was like, actors are different now. Fandom was different then and is different That's true. You know, conventions back in 1999 still had a stigma to them that only, like, nerds go there, right? Yeah. And Um, now everything. Yeah. yeah, Now it's the culture. Star Trek was a different brand. I, I almost equate Star Trek. And the way it told stories, especially in the next generation, Deep Space Nine and Voyager uh-huh. era, uh, and yeah. Enterprise, which is why I think Enterprise failed in large part, is they have like kind of like Law and Order. They kind of have an old style kind of storytelling that, like, uh-huh. next generation, it's Deep Space pre- Nine, yeah, episodic, procedural, get, sure. They started Deep Space Nine started to get into serialization, but it wasn't uh-huh. until like 2000 that like tv shows like totally lost the episodic format like that's true so anyway my point is is that tv was different star trek was different fandom was different and a lot of the stuff was different and so galaxy quest the plot still works but i think a lot of the Mm -hmm. inherent humor exists true in a universe that doesn't exist anymore it's a universe that doesn't exist anymore so my daughter was kind of lost on some of the jokes because you know People on YouTube are famous now. It's no longer like a guy yeah. was a great Shakespearean actor and then got stuck on a sci-fi show and couldn't get work anymore. It's like you can find right. a job doing anything. And yeah. I think that applies for things. And Toy Story would not work because kids don't play with no. toys the same way. Everybody's on their exactly. phone and stuff like that. The the, the um, first the, the 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 home video moments of Toy Story where it's like of Toy Story 3 where you go back and it's it's Andy on the floor of his room with toys. That kid today would have Doesn't video games, a phone, or it, they they don't have stuff, you know. Like it would yeah, be. They, they, I'm stunned. I've got my kids doing what they're doing, but the the uh, my 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 friends' kids, they, yeah. they yeah they don't play with stuff, you know. They like you said, yeah. There's sure. really little zero zero to five can't can't miss it. But my kids, I can't believe it. Here at, at nine and seven, they're still like they still love Legos. They still come downstairs, you know, and like yeah, that's, it yeah, still that's, plays that's for good. them. But that's well, teachers' that's kids. I mean, that's the the sheltering miracle sure. of my wife and I, right there. But you're right. You well, couldn't make Toy Story today. Toy Story today would be about a video game or an app or a Pokemon figure well, or something. And, like that. and to give Toy Story credit, um, I mean, you remember when like like board games, like they weren't just board games, but like they had like mountains and like bridges for the kids. Oh, like yeah. it wasn't just a board game. Like, yeah. Like, like, to, to give Toy Story credit, because I went deep in the Toy Story rabbit hole. 
Um, okay. I went into because uh, the one thing I love about Disney is they will keep obviously not with Tim Allen in this movie because it's a different character technically, but they'll <laughs> sure, usually sure. keep the same voice talent regardless yeah. of what they're doing. So if it's a special on ABC, Tom Hanks will do the voice for you know Jody Benson right. has done every Ariel since The Little Mermaid. Yeah, you know what I mean? Has. Like they keep the same yeah. voice, so it's consistent. So I watched all of the Toy Story shorts that came out. Some of them were okay. like ABC half hour specials. Some were like little short films. Their last yeah. one they did before Toy Story 4. I think it was like 2017 uh-huh. or something. They did one called Toy Story That Time Forgot. And what it is is you have uh-huh. the girl from Toy Story 3 and 4, the one who ends up getting Andy or getting yeah, Bonnie. Woody and all that. Uh-huh. Bonnie. She goes to a friend's house to play and the parents bought like one of those like God, it makes me think of like the G.I. Joe, like helicarrier thing or the, the, <laughs> okay. what, was the thing called? what was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing called? Like the Octosphere <sighs> thing, like where Krang was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Something big though. Toys, uh-huh. Yeah. But you would buy it and it would come with like six figures. Like what happens is, sure. is the girl, Bonnie goes to play with this boy and all he wants to do is play video games. But her parents uh-huh. bought him like this dinosaur warrior thing. That's like huge. Okay. It's got like a society and an arena and like all these dinosaurs. And of course, the Toy Story people get in a bunch of misadventures with the dinosaurs and accidentally mm-hmm. have to fight each other in the arena and stuff like that. But they were kind of almost calling out to what was going to happen. They were almost prophetic in saying, like, yeah, you could have the greatest toys with all this mythology and cool stuff and castles and you know, large mountains and creatures, but they're going to play video games, you know? And they were almost very prophetic. So I'll give Toy Story that, but yeah, I mean, they, but but even Toy Story 4, which is, I don't think it's a great movie only because it undoes Toy Story 3 a little bit. Toy Story Uh 4 does deal with the fact that there are more lost and forgotten toys than. That's true. You know, because the first Toy Story is a fine, it's a fine premise. Yeah. Yeah. The first Toy Story is about Woody being jealous that a new toy is in town, you know? Right. Like, and all the toys are still like, it's just who's one A and one B now. Is it Woody or yeah, Buzz? Yeah. Whereas by the time you're getting to Toy Story 4, you got antique stores full of toys that are like, oh, I don't work anymore. And you got toys that are uh-huh. lost, like toys that are like in the wasteland of the sand playground. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we don't yeah. get played with anymore. Like it, it's reflective of the times. And I, I, I do think that, I, I guess my whole point about this was, I don't think Buzz Light or Lightyear is trying to sell toys because it's it's trying to tell a good story I agree. first. And and, and Same because here. I don't yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna go home unless they're zero to five and buy their Buzz Lightyear and start playing with it. I just don't I just don't see it anymore. It's yeah. just that culture doesn't exist yeah. anymore. No, um my the closest my son my son's the closest to this to this wheelhouse here. And mm-hmm. without seeing a Jurassic Park movie. He is obsessed with the Jurassic Park toys. So like nice. he'll watch, uh, he, but now it's like a, but it's a blended thing. Like obviously we've got this little sheltering thing where he still plays with toys and we've got, you know, dinosaurs upon dinosaurs down here and he's got them as gifts. We find them at, you know, resale shops. Like we don't, we don't spend hard to go get him to fulfill this fad of dinosaurs, but like he'll go, but to double down on that, like to be the modern and the old at the same time, he goes on YouTube and that's all he watches is like the dinosaur unboxing videos. 
you know, like of the nerdy toy collectors who are like, look at the Giganotosaurus right here. Look, it's got this opposable this and opposable that. And, he, and he'll come to me at dinner and like, that'll be his like, you know, the dinner table conversation. Like, daddy, did you know that the Giganotosaurus has like seven opposable thumbs and parts? I'm like, what? You know, who, who taught you that? You haven't even seen the movie. And he's like, I watched it on YouTube. So like, it's this weird. Yeah. It's this, even, even the, um, even the kids that are normally the, you know, um, that are sponges to wonder can kind of, I don't want to say it like this, but like even those kids now can wet their own sponge. Like it wasn't as dependent on sure. us parents. They're not as dependent on us parents um, as the generation made toy story. Like it took mom, Andy's mom, you know, um, getting Andy Buzz Lightyear to start that whole obsession, you know, and there's a chance. I think, I think it's always suggested that Woody was her toy you know, when she was a kid. So like that idea, like that, that whole passing down thing. And I'm having that in my basement now with my stuff where my kids would rather watch nineties X-Men on Disney plus than Jojo Siwa or whatever the new fad thing sure. is, because good for, good for I, I, yeah. I know, but, um, but it, but it took my involvement as a parent to do that. I think we, you're right. We've got a society now where this wouldn't be made because there's not toys and this wouldn't be made because there's not a parent kind of empowering it at the same time, you know, well, or a parental another- presence. Or at least a good here's one. Another, here's another movie that wouldn't be made today. Uh, Jingle All the Way. The crux nope, of that not movie a chance. Yeah. is people fighting at the store to get a toy. <laughs> you know, like what, I mean, that, what was the last like they would fight over they'd fight over PS5s or switches. It wouldn't be a yeah, toy. Well, It'd be a game I, system. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of the last cultural event where there was a toy that was so Oh, I know which one it is. Tickle Me Elmo, right? Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo. Like but that's still that's 20 years ago. That's still yeah, 20 years yeah. ago. That's a long time ago. Yeah. But that kind of thing doesn't yeah, it's exist amazing. anymore. So I, so I think that like in this this part of that light year where you have to, like I do with Scorsese or Nolan, you just got to isolate yourself and watch it as is not right. connected to Toy Story because a lot of people are beholden to Toy Story and forget mm-hmm. that that world doesn't exist anymore. That Toy Story would not be made today. It could not be made today. I agree. Um, yeah. Or and because of that, it, let, like, point, yeah, would, yeah, it'd have to be for the older people because they're the only ones who remember toys like that. Yeah. You know, and there's and that's why my, like my first lesson in the review is that whole like, well, what toy made you? Can, can can you watch this movie and go, man, this this is. I was that guy for G.I. Joe's or I was that guy for He-Man. I hope there's a parent who watches this movie with their kids, not just to put their kids in front of something, but try to have that experience of their own too. And I, I think this movie has enough that a parent can get into it as much as the kids can. And yeah, I, I'm I'm waiting to take my kids to it. We're just trying to find the right time and to go because I saw for yes. press and that's normally about it. But like, but um, hmm. but yeah, like if my kid wants a light year toy when he's done with this. I'd be happy to oblige. We'll see what happens here. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've gone on closing thoughts, man. Long. No, no, I, I I will, as you guys will discover in our, um, because I'm pretty sure it'll come out after this. Lightyear is very high on my favorite films of the year. So far list as we approach the half Mm -hmm. point of the year. So rightfully so. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thanks for sticking with us through this conversation. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile His Fit Podcast. Also, find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile His Fit is a 25 YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. 
please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, Banana Meter, and are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America group. If you enjoyed this show, Ruben Nation's Radio Network has more where that came from with wonderful programs and very interesting hosts. Our show and others are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 